Welcome to this special program, Practice Saver to Practice Builder, Telehealth and Ophthalmology. We're glad you've joined us for Part 1, Implementing Telemedicine, HIP or HYPE. Rania Habash will speak with colleagues Kathleen McCabe, Blake Williamson, and Roger Zaldivar about the opportunities telehealth presents not only to save a practice in challenging times, but also to build a practice through expanding the reach of services. This program is supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome this evening, and thank you so much for joining us for um, a very informal discussion about telehealth moving forward um, after the pandemic. We have some real rock stars with us today. Uh, it's going to be Dr. Roger Zaldivar, Dr. Blake Williamson, and Dr. Kathleen McCabe, um, all pros at doing telehealth. And uh, hopefully we can all have this open discussion and kind of talk about some of the, the new and improved um, techniques for doing telehealth and all the lessons learned uh, moving forward. So uh, one thing I, I want to say is that anybody in the audience can submit questions all the way through. We'll try to get to them um, as we go and certainly afterwards as well. So thanks for joining us. Um, I wanna make sure that this is a very sort of um, a different type of telemedicine discussion. I know we've all had these discussions in the past and we may be tired of presentations and that sort of thing. This is a completely different format where the four of us are just gonna kind of toss ideas around and talk and discuss different things. And we'd love the audience to weigh in and ask questions along the way too. So we'll be talking about some of the pros and cons um, about everything. And I wanted to start off by, um, you know, kind of just letting all the, uh, the other guests kind of introduce themselves and, and tell, us, uh, tell us why you guys are the, the, the leaders in telehealth thinking. So Roger, want to start? Okay, Rania, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for your introduction. It's a great pleasure to be here with these true rock stars. I'm here just to say complimentary. So uh, no, actually we, we have been doing telemedicine for many, many years, uh, more than 20 years. My father started many years just to avoid distance because we have different centers in Argentina and we have long distances from one another. And our main hub is in Mendoza, but most of our patients come from Buenos Aires. So it was a necessity that we have to be closer to our patients. Of course, what we are all living today, it's crazy. And, and now we do it not as something as, as a practice saver, as it says, but as a practice builder, because we are thinking in all our expansion just based on this. Blake, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we uh, really uh, got first, first inter interested in, in telemedicine whenever we traveled to Mendoza and BA to go check out um, uh, Roger's clinic. Um, and back then it was just, it, it seemed like it was just so cool and almost like <laughs> science fiction. We really wanted to do it, but we just didn't know exactly how and and, um, you know, how can we make that fit into our practice? And like everything else, you're just trying to find the time to actually do it. Well, then COVID happens and it forces you. Um, it was the only way that we had to still see our patients. And with all the relaxed uh, sort of regulatory guidelines for, through CMS, it made it to where we could actually, um, you know, still see our patients and, and, and bill as if we were seeing them in person. But mainly it was our, it was our way to kind of still connect with our patients and let them know we're still there for them. It was our way to triage emergencies. And, and, and so it became a vital uh, part of our practice. 
Um, but what's funny is that, you know, what's unexpected rather is now um, we've actually used it to help grow our practice, not just for, you know, triaging and, and seeing things like that, but actually doing uh, LASIK evaluations, uh, uh, doing cataract uh, uh, evaluations for advanced IOLs, uh, even seeing one day post-ops uh, sort of transformed my, uh, my, my approach to a telemedicine approach. And I have a, a cool video I'll share with you guys later. So, you know, for me, uh, it's been uh, fantastic. There are parts of this that, that uh, certainly are going to be used long-term um, uh, in terms of the telemedicine space. So, so excited for the conversation tonight. Excellent. Uh, Kathy, you're up. All right. Well, <laughs> I want to say that, uh, so we are probably more along the lines of maybe a lot of our listeners out there that telemedicine was really not on our radar before COVID put it that, that place. And, um, you know, the other people on this panel, Roger, like has been blazing a trail in Argentina for so long and really brought it together in a way that is smoothly integrated for him and, and a kind of a no brainer. Uh, for me, in our practice, it was not that way. It was completely foreign. We wanted to create something, though, that was sustainable in the future because pretty early on, we understood that this was not just a brief thing, even though it was forced upon us. And not only was it going to be able to be something to save us at the moment during the shutdown primarily, but that we were going to use it to increase our volume. I mean, really, that's one of the things we were really worried about is staying safe, but having enough volume, not only to be back to where we were before, but maybe even increase our volume to make up for lost time. So, you know, Blake's ahead of the, the ball, just as he normally is in going and figuring out some of this stuff before COVID even happened. And Rania, everybody knows you, you're like the, the queen of telemedicine right now. So <laughs> I, I am really looking forward to this conversation and learning from all three of you. You know, in all seriousness, uh, I think that we are paving kind of the new route, uh, the new way of thinking about medicine and treating patients. And um, I'm really proud that we're on the forefront of that. So first of all, I always show this picture because I think it's funny um, that uh, back in 1967, the Jetsons showed this um, on one of their episodes. You can see here, the little boy is getting a telemedicine visit with his pediatrician. So um, I just thought that was hilarious because back in 1967, they even knew it made sense then. And it just took us this long and a pandemic um, to catch up with it. <laughs> But um, this is this I just wanted to share very quickly. This is what we look like at Bascom Palmer. Um, so in February, we had a total of three telemedicine visits. So we really weren't utilizing it much at all before the pandemic struck. And then you can see that we very quickly, sharply um, escalated. And um, the interesting thing that someone pointed out to me the other day is that we actually opened in May um, for non-elective stuff, and we still had more telemedicine visits. So it's not like we shut down and the graph went straight down afterwards. We just found that it was working, so we actually kept it up. Um, and a lot of these weren't even captured because we were trying to get our workflows in order to, to be able to capture them as, as labeled telehealth. But this just gives you an idea of the steep curve. Is this kind of how what you guys experienced too? You know, I'm going to say that's not, unfortunately, our experience so far. Uh, you know, we have lots of different providers. I think a lot of people, you know, were willing to start to become more familiar with telehealth when we were shut down and we weren't seeing elective patients. But as soon as the gates opened, you know, a lot of the, the thought process of going back to 
just business as usual, um, which was more comfortable for people, you know, change is often difficult. That took over to a certain extent. Now, I, is that what I hope and think we should do? No. And so I hope that we are able to now, once we kind of get our feet under ourselves again, really blaze forward with integrating it. So it's not all telehealth, it's not all in-person, but a way of actually maximizing both of those ways of seeing patients. And I think that some of you on the panel here have done that well already or continue to innovate in that area. So hopefully we'll learn more about that. Yeah, that was a really good way to put it. I, I think that's, um, that's exactly what we're gonna look at today. Yeah, I'll tell you for us, for, for our practice, um, you know, we did, uh, you know, right away, I recognize this is the only way we could we can connect with patients. So we kind of made it a, a, a goal for each of our 10 providers to do well, 10 of our 14 providers that were going to participate. Some of our older providers don't even have a, a smartphone. So they weren't going to do this. But, <laughs> but, but uh, our uh, 10 of our providers would. And so we made a goal for them to see 10 patients a day. So you know, 10 to, it's about so it's about 100, 100 total uh, for our practice per day. Um, um, you know, and about 500, you know, per week. So, so we actually, you know, for that first month, we did a tremendous amount. Um, now that we can see them in person, like Kathy, what we've done is those in-person visits, uh, for instance, like glaucoma checks and, um, you know, people coming in for cataract evaluations and stuff like that. Uh, we are doing that in person like before. What, what, what we've really done is we've switched to telemedicine. We have more visits for the post-operative care you know, people that are in their global period and, and you know, they're doing great after their LASIK or, or cataract uh, surgery. Uh, we've kind of done a lot of virtual visits that way. And then lastly, uh, screenings like uh, LASIK consultations and, um, um, and then also doing like uh, billing and um, uh, cataract refractive counseling. That's been all virtual visits as well. So it's, we're, I feel like we're doing almost as many, uh, but, but instead of it being sort of an E&M coded thing like a like a like a clinic visit it's more teleregistration teleorientation and post-operative care i wanted to highlight uh, something that uh, blake said i i do think that there are so many applications today and we are learning every day different applications that it's it's, it's still going to happen that we are finding new things to to add and and for example the lasik screening is something that we have jumped completely today is very it's very strange that we appoint someone without seeing previously by telemedicine because we can we can gain a lot of time and avoid exposure in the clinic so all young guys interested in LASIK we just start talking to them start speaking with them by telemedicine with teleorientation and then when they jump to phase two they just come to the clinic they have their their pentacam or whatever topographer you want to use they have their dry eye test and everything but that's the second phase but it's, uh, it's, it's I, I fully agree with what has been said. Yeah, that's actually a great segue there. So um, these are the types of virtual visits that we're using at Bascom. And, um, and by the way, these are all reimbursable visits. So I only put stuff on here that is reimbursable. Um, we started a virtual urgent care actually where we could triage patients. And one of the, the biggest things that people have been doing is actually bringing patients in for counseling first and then mm -hmm. um, you know, doing the, uh, the measurements or vice versa, you know, getting the measurements mm -hmm. first and then doing the counseling. But um, I know that it's been, it's been talked about 
there's been a much higher conversion rate to premium IOLs and uh, with refractive um, signups, basically. And you know, even with uh, Dr. Culbertson here, you know, he was mentioning that just the other day that with the refractive counseling, with him doing the refractive counseling beforehand, and getting to know the patient, um, they've had a lot more people actually show up for the procedure and convert. So why do you all Absolutely. think that is? I really think, you know, before telehealth and before all of this, we used to send out uh, DVDs. We sent them out and they were a video that I made myself of me explaining cataract surgery and options mm -hmm. to patients. And we also have a call in, you know, TV, doc on call kind of thing and a infomercial. And it didn't matter the format. But seeing you on a digital format in whatever way, and telemedicine is one of the ways, patients develop a relationship. They think they know you, they've met you, they understand you. You have a bond with them that starts with that that's almost sometimes even more meaningful than the bond they feel in person, weirdly enough. So I, um, I just think that, they're, that you know, they really, you've spent all of that time talking to them listening to them, having a peek into their personal lives. Sometimes you actually can also have however many of their family members available as well. And it's just a more effective way of communicating. Just yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think also, if you think about it, you know, uh, they're, they're way more comfortable uh, at the, in their home. So for instance, if they're at your office, maybe, they're, maybe their mind's elsewhere. Maybe they're wondering about that person that was coughing that, you know, everyone's masked up, of course, but you know, who knows what they're thinking, you know, uh, while they're inside of your clinic, they probably don't want to be there. Whatever. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so maybe, maybe they have an opportunity to clear their head and, and, and you know, make a more, a better informed decision about uh, you know, their lens choice. Um, I, I really like what you said, Kathy, about um, how you get to know them more personally, actually, um, just because you're seeing them in their home environments, they've got their family members around them. You know, um, I think a lot of times just having another person there to hear it, hear the conversation with you, um, it, it helps, you know, when the kids are, are saying, you know, oh, dad, no, we want you to have the lens. It gives you far, near, and in between. You know, that helps with the conversion rate as well. Um, and Rania, it's, it's important too that we are more relaxed. We yeah. as doctors are more relaxed and we can truly organize ourselves in a better way to, 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 to give a good explanation, to show them slides, to show them the procedure, to go, to walk through them uh, in, a, in a proper way that sometimes we are rushing in our in our places and, and we, we don't give the, the appropriate time and they appreciate it. Because sometimes I find my patients are hard of hearing, you know, and they're just faking it like my mother-in-law did forever before, <laughs> you know, we made her, you know, if you talk to her with your hand over your mouth, she couldn't understand you. She would if she could see your lips and we, she just didn't want to admit to hearing loss, but many of our patients truly don't understand what's going on if they can't see your lips and aren't reading your lips. So I think that, you know, it's just better communication overall now that we're both masked up. How, yeah, much totally. time, how, how much time are you spending in a regular consultation? Because I find myself being extremely more effective in time. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a very complete consultation, assessing them with different technology and everything in less than 17 minutes average, most of the patients. So are, are you taking more time than, than, than you used to or, or you find it? I'm speaking about in a modular way, when you already have all the results, all the diagnostics and everything. What's your experience running? Well, I, I spend a lot of time anyway, um, even in the clinic, uh, just sort of explaining all the choices and going through mm -hmm. what I think should, you know, 
what, what kind of refractive result that they want. Um, but the cool thing about it here, at least, the, the thing that's a little bit different is that this is a time-based visit. And so if I do spend 35 minutes, you know, counseling um, and going over things with them, then that's a billable service. Um, are you guys billing that way based on time? I think that makes sense, you know, especially when you're spending a long time. I know that, you know, normally in clinic, I'm thinking about all the backup of other patients. Exactly. Where we're going to have to then cheat on time a little bit in order to catch up. And, uh, and I think that, you know, the way that we have them scheduled, it, it actually makes sense to spend the amount of time knowing that at least you're getting reimbursed for it as well. So it does take a little sting out of it. <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, for me, uh, you know, my, my initial eval with them is in person. So we kind of do like a hybrid approach so that they do some, uh, they do their testing and I do meet with them briefly, five or 10 minutes max. They watch a little eight minute video before I hit the door. Um, so they're, they're pretty educated about it, but then they have sort of uh, a few days uh, goes by and my refractive counselor uh, reaches out through a telemedicine visit just like this. And she's the one that goes through everything again. And that's usually a, a, a bit longer. Um, um, and they ask all kinds of questions and stuff like that. So I kind of like the idea that you can kind of have a hybrid approach and split it up. It almost gives them a few more days to kind of soak in the information. That way when my refractive counselor does her telemedicine visit with them a couple of days later, um, they've had a lot of time to research and, and think about it and they usually ask better questions. And, and uh, we think that's why that's been helpful to, to raise our, our adoption rates because you know, having a decision moment a couple of days later, they don't feel like they have to decide something right there in the chair after just talking to me for five minutes, you know. That's a great point and a great segue to this handsome doctor here. So now I want to hear about your post-op visits because I love this video. I think it's it's, it's really, I mean, uh, somebody called you a showman recently, and, and you definitely are, but, um, but I think this warrants the show because um, it's a really effective way to see patients. Um, a lot of times people think that telemedicine visits are strung out or take a lot longer than usual, but you're going to show us here how quick and, and, and simple and orderly it is. And then I really like to discuss some of the points that are brought up from the video right afterward. Hey, it's Dr. Williamson here at Williamson Eye Center. And I'm going to show you my process for doing our post-op day ones through virtual telemedicine. You know, with the COVID pandemic, we're trying to reduce the number of visits patients are, are coming in to see us. And the post-op day one from cataract surgery is a, is, a, is a great way to do that. But it's also very, very efficient uh, and the patients absolutely love it. Uh, so I'm going to show you exactly what we do. Come on on. So we're here in the, uh, in, in, the, in the exam lane. I'm gonna go ahead and put on my jacket. And, oh. So as you can see, um, door, let's come on in. As you can see that the patients are already in the, uh, already in the, the, the virtual waiting room here. You can see all these patients are all the cataract surgeries. They did about 25 cataract surgeries yesterday. So instead of them waiting in the waiting room, they're right here in the virtual visit. So we're just going to go to the very first one. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. How are you doing? Everything okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for uh, allowing me to share this with my colleagues to show them how to do telemedicine. Eyes doing okay? Hey. No eye pain or anything? I'm sorry? No eye pain or anything? Oh, no. Okay. No pain at all. Let me take a look at that eye that I did yesterday. Bring it real close to the camera, please. 
Good. I want you to look up and to the left. Right? Perfect. Fantastic. So everything looks good. So the cornea is nice and clear. The pupil's round. Everything looks excellent. You're doing very, very well. So I want you to continue to take all of your post-operative drops. And as long, okay. as, as long as you're doing well, we'll see you in clinic next week. Uh, they'll give you a call and let you know exactly when that's going to be. If you happen to have any uh, redness or loss of vision or eye pain or anything over the next three or four days, I do want you to come on in right away. But I don't expect that. I expect to see you at your normal scheduled appointment next week, okay? All right. Hey, how are you? Hey, Doc. Can you see me okay? I can see you just fine, man. It looks like those light adjustable lens glasses are looking really cool on you. Buddy <laughs> Holly for a month. I'm telling you, man, that's awesome. You did really, really good yesterday. Fantastic. I'm going to stop it there. Uh, it was very endearing. Um, but a couple of, you know, discussion points. So this brings up, you know, a very good question. How many people would feel comfortable doing their post-ops this way? And what exactly are we looking for on the post-op day one visit anyway? Uh, Kathy or, or uh, Roger, you want to start us off? Or actually, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry. Blake, you want to explain, explain yourself a little bit here. Let's talk about this. <laughs> we yeah. want to dissect it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny when, when, I, when, I, when we kind of moved to this, we, we were all about, you know, not having patients come into the clinic um, at first. And now, you know, we feel safe having post-ops come into our clinic, but we asked ourselves, do they really need to? You know, we're talking about routine, uh, uncomplicated, successful cataract surgeries, um, you know, uh, couldn't, you know, if we can get a really good image of the eye, you know, couldn't we if, see that the pupil's round, there's no iris to the wound, the cornea is perfectly clear, the patient's happy and seeing well and smiling, they don't have TAS or something like that where they wouldn't be seeing and the cornea would be all cloudy. Um, is, is the eye nice and quiet and, and, you know, that sort of thing. These are what you're really looking for. And so we figured that, that we could do that easily uh, via telemedicine. And, you know, some of my partners were like, well, gosh, you know, it really doesn't take that us that long to churn through 20 or 30 one day post-ops. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't take you long. You're in there for 30 seconds, but boy, to, to process those folks through your clinic, the bandwidth that it takes for your technicians and front desk and all that stuff, not to mention the patients don't want to do that if they don't have to, right? They get to stay home. So we kind of considered all those things. We said, you know, we really think that this is a safe way to do it. Um, and uh, called several of, 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 our, of my friends and showed them this video and I asked them to you know, poke some holes in it. What am I missing? Is, is there, am I, am I doing something wrong? Is there something I should be kind of concerned of? Um, and you know, when you think about it, things like tasks, how rare is that in a career for God's sakes? And you know, certainly we would know because they wouldn't be seeing well, you'd be able to look at the cornea, uh, et cetera. Things like um, uh, endophthalmitis wouldn't happen for three or four days anyway. IOP spikes, that's by far and away the biggest thing that you'd be considering or, or worried about, but I'm checking the pressure with the bare keratinometer at the end of the case before mm -hmm. they get up off the table. So make sure they have good physiologic IOP. So, you know, when you kind of boil it all down and when you get a good picture of, uh, of the eye um, and you get to talk to the patient and they're seeing well and they're happy, uh, for me, I feel like this is a safe way to do it and extremely efficient uh, for, for our clinic and for the patients. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, comments too that I think that you're right that most surgeons would find the lack of an IOP check the biggest thing because some of the other things we worry about patient would be expect to have maybe poor vision or red eye or say that they're tearing a lot or something, you know, some symptom that we would worry about. But in IOP, they might have zero symptoms whatsoever. So if that's the case, I think you could 
have a same day IOP check before they leave, maybe have them stick around for an hour. You could actually do sort of the drive-by IOP check as well. Um, we're not doing these now, but I, I mean, I kind of love the idea of this. The only thing that I would say that I would do differently is again, that whole comment about you not having a mask on, making it easier for the patient to understand you. And I guess you do because you have a scribe in your room with you, but yeah. What we've done is actually just allow them to be maybe just outside the room where they can hear and the doors open, or even in the next room where they can also hear or be able to log into the visit, which with our platform, you can have multiple people in the same virtual visit. So that's also a, 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 you know, a solution for some of those concerns. Lake, how does, how does the legal insurances, mostly local insurances, uh, react to something like this. I, I, I love the idea and I, and I would love to do it, but what about the insurances? Is, is there any gray area there? No, so for insurance, this is covered. This is part of their global period. So that's the biggest thing, Roger, is that you know, these are 25 patients that you know, are, are you know, in my waiting room and we could instead you know, have 25 patients that are there for evals and, and new patients. And, And so, yeah, so uh, insurance, uh, as part of their global period for cataract surgery, their post-op visits are covered anyway. So um, we're, not, we're not as concerned with that. Um, uh, I should mention that, you know, in terms of the legality of it. Um, legality, concern, yeah. Yeah, con concerns for liability. Um, you know, we do give them the option uh, to come in for their post-op visit, and overwhelmingly they choose to do it via, via telemedicine. So, you know, we have them sign a little waiver about that. So we feel like that kind of frees us up a little bit. Um, I think Kathy's comment on the mask makes great sense. You know, what we, I have two of my scribes that actually have multiple patients pulled up and they're handing me iPads so that I can see these patients very, very quickly. They're not wasting time in between waiting for someone to come on the screen. So that's why I have the mask on, but you're right. There's no reason why they couldn't stand just on the outside of the door. And that way, it, you know, it's, it's more personal. One thing I didn't think about that, that uh, is a corneal abrasion. That's another, I think that's the two things that I'd be worried about post-op day one that you actually see is IOP spikes and cornea abrasions, right? And again, mm -hmm. with, with the IOP spike, again, I'm checking the pressure right at the end of the case. I'm also giving them Diamox that evening and the next morning. So I feel like I'm covered there. And on the, if it was a cornea abrasion, they're going to let us know for sure. So, so they'll, they'll, they'll tell us, oh, my, I'm very mad at you. I need to come in. So I should mention our threshold to have them come in is incredibly low. If the eye is red or irritated, even if they're unhappy with their vision, If they're anything other than ecstatic, I say, you know what, let me take a peek at you today. And they're fine to do that. Of course, any type of complicated surgery comes in, any combination comes in, like for instance, a MIGS, a FACO MIGS, I do make them come in to check their pressure. Mm -hmm. So there are caveats. We're not doing all of our patients like this, but just your routine garden variety, uncomplicated cataracts, this has been a, a game changer. Yeah, I think the other thing is we put a drop of a pressure lowering drop. And there's some case series that have shown that if you, you know, put... I think COSOP was actually the most effective, um, that that also tends to blunt any post-op IOP spikes on the first day. So there are things you, I'd like that you give them Diamox that day and the next day kind of like probably helps you sleep better more than it makes a big difference in your cases. But, but uh, I think that's another way of feeling reassured and, and safe in doing it this way. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and Blake, I got to say, I, I, I ripped off this idea from you today. So uh, after my cases today, I just kept my patient around for about an hour um, and checked, all, checked their IOPs about an hour after uh, their cases. And the ones who were real straightforward, I just told them we do a video call tomorrow as their post-op. So I'm going to try to, to do the same thing here and see how that goes. But I really like this idea. And, you know, I think the mm -hmm. take-home point here, there's, there's two probably that I want to emphasize. Number one, you know, if you see something that you don't like, nobody's saying you can't bring the patient in. So if they are doubled over with pain, you know, or, or telling you they just threw up three times, or you know, um, they're having a lot of floaters in their vision, or they can't see as well as they wanted to, those are you. You still bring in the patient. You know, a lot of people think that um, if you if you bring if you do a telemedicine call that you're just handcuffing yourself towards telemedicine, but you're not. So, um, and then the other thing too is that we're really experienced clinicians and looking at a white eye and seeing a patient smiling at us and being happy, that really tells you 99.9% .9 of what you really need to know. Um, so I am comfortable, you know, as well, uh, if, as long as the pressure is checked about an hour after the case or so. Um, and a pressure lowering drop is a really good idea in Diamox too, um, to do it this way as well. So stay tuned. I'll let you know how it goes tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to part one of our two-part podcast series, CRST the Podcast, Telehealth and Ophthalmology, Hip or Hype. Please stay tuned for part two of this series, where Drs. Rania Habash, Kathleen McCabe, Blake Williamson, and Roger Zaldivar conclude their conversation by addressing the topics of hybrid visits and new technologies, as well as hosting a question and answer session. This program was supported with advertising by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The opinions and views expressed during this program are those of the individual participants and are not necessarily those of Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation or its affiliates.